Hello from beautiful Vancouver Island and welcome to the podcast series Soul Conversations with me, Mia. I have created it in honor of your journey of expansion, personal growth, transformation and awareness. Each episode highlights a challenge we often face and the advantage of understanding it. It also sheds a light on why we reliably show up from ego and fear rather than from love and authentic self. I hope you enjoy and remember to subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Welcome everybody to another um, beautiful conversation, Soul Conversations with Mia. Today I'm honored to have Rachel Lavin out of South Carolina and she's going to talk to us a little bit about the very important conversation that is often not talked about, which is the relationship that we have with our body, especially as we age. So it's a little bit about mindset, a little bit about um, menopause, and a lot of it about body image. So you've written a book that has a beautiful title, The Donut Diaries, which I think is fantastic, great name, such a great name. And it's all about your journey and how you've come to be where you are today and how you've created this new relationship with your body. So I'm hoping you wouldn't mind to just start by maybe sharing your story and then we can just go from there. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Mia. It's very nice. Um, yes. So my book is my personal story of struggling with not only my body image, but the up and down of losing and gaining and then on top of that, as an adult woman being in the fitness industry. So all those things I wanted to write about because for so many years, I felt alone and I knew that other women felt that way too. And I just want to put an end to that, right? I mean, we're supposed to be a community. We're supposed to be there for each other at different stages of our lives as we age. And so I was hoping to do that with my book. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, we've we've become so much wiser and we still haven't figured out this crazy relationship with our body mm-hmm. and it's it's so it's so interesting because you know this body of ours is <clears throat> it's really truly what allows us to experience life like if we didn't have a body it can't just be a head roll. <laughs> rolling around so you know we've got these bodies that come in different shapes and sizes and we judge them based on what it should look like as opposed to what we were gifted with yes yes that's beautifully said and especially in the fitness industry um, we have a lot in common that way because we we've both been in the fitness industry for a very long time I'm retired from it now but um, I often noted that some of the most dysfunctional relationships I ever experienced were with people that were in the fitness industry because there was so much pressure that they had to look a certain way in order to be a fitness person um, without the awareness that fitness comes in all shapes and sizes. Yes. Yeah, what's your experience? I was just gonna say, I experienced uh, that many times throughout my career, I've been told I don't know how many times by both men and women that I didn't have the right body to be a personal trainer. And I think that like what you just mentioned is so true and beautiful because our industry is finally evolving. I mean, we are starting to see more men and women, uh, dare I say, in bigger bodies and killing it and making a huge difference. And I think that if we can see the special person behind that body then we can learn so much yeah 
And actually killing it is such a great catchphrase because I watched so many fitness people killing themselves (laughs) to kill it, you know, to be perceived as, you know, the fitter and the leaner you were, the more successful you will be in it. It it, is actually not necessarily a straight line. It's not a correlation. Mm -mm, Not at all. I want to tell you a great story from the very first, well, very, very early on in my fitness, um, my fitness journey. I worked for a women's club in Kelowna, which is a, a community here in British Columbia. And I was young. I would have been 18 years old, freshly out of high school, um, tall, thin, very fit. I was. Um, so, you know, I, I should be the fittest person in the room. And I was introduced to two sisters, a sister team that were twins um, that taught aerobics in this fitness studio that I was hired at. And these twins were, I'm trying to remember from back then, well over 200 pounds each. And they kicked my ass. Mm -hmm. And that was my very first introduction to the concept that fit comes in all shapes and sizes. Yes. Oh, I love that story. So tell us a little bit about your actual journey. you know, just the relationship that you had, what it looked like, sort of the highs and the lows of that journey? Of course. As I mentioned earlier, I have been every size from a zero to a 12, back to forth, everything in between. And literally having this relationship with my body of feeling betrayed by it, feeling angry, feeling that I just really never fit in any situation because my body just wasn't society's, in my opinion, it wasn't society's norm. But as I started to get older and at 40 years old, I was a size zero and still feeling this way. So I said, okay, there is a full on disconnect here and it has nothing to do with the size of my body. It's in here and it's in my heart. So I really kind of decided at that very moment that I was going to dig deep. I was going to heal from my trauma. I was going to start to think of my body as a gift, no matter what size it is. And I was going to eat food because it was something I had to do every day anyway. So why was it going to be the struggle? Why was it going to be something that I had to talk about incessantly? I just wanted it all to stop. But I think at that age, in that moment, I realized that nobody else was going to do it for me. I had to do it for myself. And it was a really powerful kind of like taking back my power feeling. And although I, I will, I'll never be dishonest. I have my days. I honestly do where I'm like, I miss my smaller body. I all those things, but I don't let it run my life anymore. And I think that that is the power of my message. It's like, I'm a real person. And I felt like this about my body most of my life. And for me to think that I'll never have a thought again is unrealistic. But Mm -hmm. I have given myself enough tools and enough practice that I can get myself over those humps. Yeah, beautiful. You know, it's interesting. um, In order to heal, that relationship with your body, you really do have to uncover the disconnect. You have to figure out what that disconnect is that's creating this relationship. Were you able to figure out what your disconnect was? 
Yeah, because I, I uh, was a very early bloomer. And so I was very conscious of my body my whole life. That on top of, I was a latchkey kid and in the eighties and nineties, our food came in packages and bags and microwave. And I didn't learn the correlation between nourishing my body, not just eating, but nourishing my body with whole foods and a rainbow of foods. And that was something that I had to learn in my late thirties and early forties. So there was a couple of disconnects going on there that I had to, you know, I had to bring to the center and go, ah, okay. Oh, okay. And then have them meet in the middle and live my life that way. So that one is a definitely a task oriented disconnect of, you know, being a latchkey kid and cooking for yourself from packaging. And was there an emotional disconnect? Like, was there something along the way that created this disconnect where your brain believed something and that wasn't true? I think that I, I didn't realize throughout my earlier years, how much power I was giving away by saying things like, Am I fat? I need you to tell me when I'm gaining weight. I don't want to do that because I'm too fat. Like I was literally speaking it into existence for the way that I felt like I was being treated. And when I realized that that's what I was doing, I not only was I thinking these things to myself about myself, but I was giving other people who really had no business uh, deciding what was good for my body, the power to decide what was best for me. And again, very late in life, when I was finally feeling like I could trust myself and trust my body and trust my own path, was I able to stop that? I had to stop that cold turkey because I don't think as women, we realize how much power we give away when we do that. And mm -hmm. so when I talk with women, I... I try to find out if that's something that they do, or I've heard them do it. And I kind of point that out and bring it to their attention. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, it's funny, one of the worst things that I think you could call another human being is a zero. You're such a zero. <laughs> and meanwhile, as women, we're trying so hard to be a zero, size yeah. zero, and nothing, to be invisible, <laughs> to disappear, You know, to be as small as you can possibly be for all the, you know, it's, it's just kind of ironic, Agreed. really ironic. Agreed. What's been the hardest part of the journey? I, the hardest part has been to move forward in a bigger body and not feel like I have to change myself. Like I said, those days still pop up for me and those thoughts are still there, but I, I also give myself a bit of a break because like I said, I thought that way, I lived that way for over 40 years and I can't expect it to go away overnight. But I remember when I'm feeling like that, how much work I've done on myself and that I am a good person and that I am doing my very best every day. And that's really all I can do. The size of your body doesn't equal your self-worth it doesn't equal how good of a person you are it doesn't equal your success it doesn't equal it but but in our minds as women we equate those two our Absolutely. size determines everything right 
Yes. And if we add in that whole other component of the dreaded menopause, <laughs> like, holy cow, I know I've already been through it, experienced it fairly young. And all of those things that people said about menopause were true. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's, what's your experience? Well, I'm just beginning it now. I'm 51 now. And so I'm just, I'm beginning to feel different. And again, like you said, every woman who's come before me, all those things, I'm like, oh, that is true. (laughs) Now I know we don't all experiencing experience it the same way, but I, I have noticed for sure that there is a change in my body. And again, here we go again. And I have to embark on a new journey of self-love and talking kindly to myself because this is something that I'm going to go through. I have no choice. I can't stop it. (laughs) I can just do the best I can. I can learn. I can talk to women like you, but there's nothing I can do to stop my body from going through this change. And so I might as well just embrace it with open arms and <laughs> let it happen. Yeah. And, and that is probably the healthiest way to embrace the journey, the next chapter. <clears throat> the interesting thing I find, and um, I have found this with a lot of women that have been through it, is the your body starts to change in ways that you're like scratching your head. Like, what the hell is, what the hell is this? what is this? Um, and, and you can fight it. You can fight, 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 and it's not going to matter. What, what I have found is you can still get up every day and do the very best you can within that framework of menopause, eat well, get lots of sleep, exercise, you know, hydrate, do all the things you can do and allow your body to do what it's going to do. And at the same time, free your mind of it. Mm. And that's what I found so interesting with women that um, are going through or have been through menopause is the change in the mental approach to life, not just your body, but life. It just becomes so much more, um, what is the word? Peaceful, Mm -hmm. at peace. Yes. And that's basically the story of that you're sharing is to create a relationship of peace with your body. Yes, I am. Yeah. So the donut diaries, give us a little bit of background on that. Like, is it where, first of all, where it's available, but also does it, does it, is it sort of like a, a, a chronological story, like starting when you were young? I do share stories. It's a very quick read. It's kind of lovely in that way where, Chapter one is more about dieting. Chapter two is more about movement. Chapter three is kind of like finding myself and four and five and finally kind of being at peace with my body, if you will. Uh, So, but I do tell stories of my childhood and my young adulthood and what age I'm at now in the book. It's available on Amazon. And like I mentioned to you earlier, it is a very personal story. It is my story, but I did want my reader to leave with two things. And one was, you are not alone. That was my Mm -hmm. very, very 
most important goal for the book. And I also didn't want my readers to walk away thinking another self-help book and just throw it away. It was more like we're having a conversation on my sofa, having a glass of wine and just chit-chatting like girlfriends and we're crying and we're laughing and we're, you know, I can never say that. So I'm not going to (laughs) try. Commiserating. Yes, that one. That's the one. (laughs) Yeah. So that was my two goals for my book. And I feel like when I do get feedback that that is, I accomplished those two things. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about you are not alone. Well, I think when we first started talking, I mentioned for so many years, I felt like I was struggling alone. I was only thinking that I didn't fit in with my girlfriends because I was the fattest one, or I couldn't do this because I was the fattest one, or I wasn't pretty because I had more weight on me. I mean, just all the horrible things that you tell yourself as you're a young woman and you believe them. And I know that other women do that, or they just immediately pick their body apart. I, I, I mean, I hear my girlfriends today do it. And so to know that you're not alone is so powerful in the sense where, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't have to talk about myself that way. Maybe I don't have to feel like these women or my partner or whoever, my coworkers think this because just because I'm thinking it. And I really wanted to shed light on that. Like our thoughts are very nasty and they really will take charge of how we present ourselves out into the world. And I just wanted to shed some light on that. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, like it's, it's, hmm, what's the word? It's like a, it's like its own pandemic. Mm. This thinking relationship that women have, not just women, men as well, but prevalently more prevalent it'd be women. It's, it's like, um, it's insidious and it's toxic and we create it we create it with ourselves. We do it to ourselves. And yes, social media and all that kind of stuff has a massive impact, but that's a boring story, right? Because at the end of the day, you have a choice, whether you're going to watch the social media, buy into the social media, listen to the social media, follow it, or whether you're going to actually change your thinking. Right. And that's how it all begins is changing your thinking. It is. I think though, it also goes just a tad deeper. And if you trust yourself, if you trust your body and you trust your self, then you can make better choices for yourself. I think for so many years, because I didn't have a relationship with myself that I was continually making bad choices and making those helpless choices because I had a victim mentality for so long until mm-hmm. I recognized that I was doing this to myself. I just, I like to use the word, like you, you use the word peaceful, but I also like to use the word liberated because it was such a heavy feeling all the time. And mm-hmm. to not feel that way anymore, it's like, huh, I do, I, I get that feeling of weight on your shoulders and and lifting it and just feeling so much lighter. I, I get what that means now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that whole victim mentality goes hand in hand with the self-sabotaging archetype, right? The saboteur. And they walk that journey together hand in hand and they just fuel each other. 
Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So when you finally have the strength and the awareness to liberate yourself, your word to liberate yourself from the victim and the saboteur, you can tap into the lover archetype, which is the one that is all about self-love and self-worth and confidence. And I can do anything. It is very true. But I also have come to peace now with those thoughts, those unsure thoughts. And I've allowed myself to know that they are a part of my, a part of my makeup, but you used a really good word earlier is to feed that. And I don't feed that anymore. I accept it. I acknowledge, and then I'm able to move past it because I don't want to go back to that. I don't want mm -hmm. to go back to that where helpless feeling, or I can't do anything for myself or any of those things. I don't want to go back to that. So I have to keep evolving. I have to keep trusting myself and teaching myself new ways to, to love myself. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it, to feed the, the essence of who you are rather than the fear archetypes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So remind us one more time, the donut diaries are available on Amazon. I'm going to put the link in the write-up um, okay. and anywhere else that they can reach it or how they can find you right now. It's just available on Amazon. Um, okay. If you do go to my website, Rachel Love and Wellness, there's all kinds of buttons to click on. I'll take you right to Amazon. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Okay. So I'll link that as well in the write-up. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share with us your story and the unbelievably important message um, around the relationship that we are creating all by ourselves with our bodies <laughs> and, and that we also have the power to change it. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Mia.